Great to have so many of you here today. Um, a few new faces, a few faces we haven't seen for a long time. That's fun. And uh, some people have been here quite a long time, too. Welcome to all of you. And uh, we want to especially welcome Ava Levine and Nina Mork into uh, the family. They were baptized. Would you guys stand up? Stand up. Not everybody was here to watch you get baptized this morning. Say hi to people. So, all right. We're a place where strangers become friends and friends become family, and they became officially part of the family. Today, we're being, being baptized, and family becomes sent once. So, wanted to go into our word here, but let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for this day. We are so grateful for all it means. Thank you for coming, for dying, for being raised to transform our world and our lives. I pray that you'd help us to get a little better understanding of that today. Help us to celebrate it today. Help us to understand all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is our year for God's overflow. And uh, just want to get to celebrate this day. I just, with the exciting news that life is difficult. Anybody notice that lately? Nobody. Oh, good. A couple of people have had difficulty. Y'all are good, the rest, huh? Any? Oh, come on. Life is difficult. Anybody agree? Okay. M. Scott Peck says this is a great truth. And if we recognize that life is difficult, we can do better because we stop our whining. Uh, just life is difficult. We just deal with it. And, uh, and then the good news is then we die. Life is difficult and then we die. Um, Ecclesiastes kind of brings that home. It says, because life is difficult and then we die, anything you're going after is smoke, breath, vapor. Education, career, success, children, it's all smoke, vapor. It's all going to disappear. It's all going to end six feet underground, and you don't know what's going to happen after that. Solomon, who maybe wrote Ecclesiastes, pretty much had that. He built all these great things, and then his son was a fool, and it all fell apart. Um, that's the reality, isn't it? Life is difficult, and then we die. Can we be honest about that? And a lot of us have kind of felt that in the last few years. It's been kind of difficult. And because of that, we can have some hopelessness. There's a lot of hopelessness. 2020 alone, there was 25% more deaths from alcohol because of hopelessness, not to mention other kinds of effects and deaths. Um, we can have a lot of fear because, man, there's a lot of things to be afraid of. We can also have some deep sadness. Can we be real about that? Anybody experienced any glimpse of those in the last few years? Yeah. We can be honest about that. And it doesn't all go away just because it happens to be Easter Sunday. But life is difficult. So do you need hope? Do you need courage? Do you need joy? I do. And Jesus' resurrection gives us all of that. That's the good news. 
Jesus is risen is central to the good news. What the sent ones of Jesus preached centrally was Jesus is risen. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, just before what Pastor Andrew read, says this, I passed on to you what was most important and what also had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said. In other words, Scriptures predicted that was going to happen. Jesus predicted that was going to happen. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, a specific day. This is not a theory or an ethical imperative or some philosophy. This is something that happened. He was seen by Peter and then by the Twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive when Paul's writing this, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, Paul says. So Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are history. They really happened. This is not somebody got a revelation in a cave and came out and said, hey, here's, here's what I saw. It happened in front of everybody. It's a historical event that really happened. And that makes it different from a philosophy or an ethical system or a revelation that one person got and wrote down and said, hey, this, this angel showed me this thing. You all should believe it. It happened in front of everybody. That makes it different. That makes it amazing. This is the testimony of many eyewitnesses recorded by many different authors in the New Testament as well as outside. A lot of different authors. Luke, for example, carefully investigated his historical account and records eyewitness accounts. He explains that in Luke 1. We've been looking at Luke and Acts, this uh, two-volume work that, that Luke wrote. And uh, I want to focus especially on Acts this, week, this uh, Easter because we've been preaching through Acts. And it's in a historical account. So Luke begins the second volume. The first volume, he explains all of this historical way he's doing this. Second volume, he says, During the 40 days after Jesus suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So he appeared to them. They touched him. They ate with him. They saw him. They heard him. They experienced his body, his resurrection body. And that was shocking. This is not something that had ever happened before. People had been raised by God to life again with the same body to die again. But Jesus was risen with a new body, a resurrection body that was different in some ways. And it was really a body. So when we talk about resurrection is our hope, we're not hoping that we're going to continue spiritually. When we die, we do go to be with Jesus as a spirit. But when he comes back, we're going to be raised with new bodies like his. It's a real resurrection. And that's different. That gives a different kind of hope. And it, he talked about the kingdom of God. So the Israelites had, had hoped. Remember in the end of Luke, they said, we had hoped that Jesus was maybe the one to restore the kingdom 
that we lost, that David used to rule, but now we're under the thumb of Rome and everything is falling apart and life is difficult. But Luke and the apostles say everything has changed. All the hopes of Israel have been fulfilled in Jesus. He is the Messiah we waited for. He is the one who has changed it all. Because he came, he lived, did amazing things, preached amazing things, he died, and he rose again. So this is the good news. If you look through Acts and even the other writings in the New Testament, you'll see that the apostles, this was the basics of what they said. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection fulfilled the Old Testament, all those prophecies, all those promises. And uh, God exalted Jesus by resurrection to be Messiah over the new Israel. So there's a new people of God. And, and they come in and, and they are announcing this. And then in the temple, they, they take over this place where widows are taken care of like they should have been taken care of in the temple. And this new people of God are formed. And we see in the first half of Acts how this new people of God are fulfilled. And then the gospel spreads to Samaria. And the ten tribes are back in the fold with, with all of the Israelites. And, and then it spreads off to the nations because this new Messiah fulfills the hopes that Israel had. But it's the hopes beyond Israel, the hopes that all of the nations would be one people. And they say, we are witnesses of Jesus and his resurrection. Over and over they say, we saw it, we ate with him, we touched him, we heard it, we are witnesses. And then they say, so turn from your sin and turn to God, trust Jesus for salvation from your sins. And they say, if you do that, then God will give you forgiveness and freedom from sin as well as the Holy Spirit and resurrection life. So there's this invitation over and over because of all this that happened. Turn from your sin. Turn from your own way and turn to Jesus and trust Jesus because he is the risen one. He's got the hopes of all that you wanted. For example, Peter, uh, there's a, I'm, I'm covering a lot of messages here, but I'm just taking an example from Peter. People of Israel, listen, this is right after Pentecost happens. People are saying, are these guys drunk? Why are they all speaking our languages? I don't get it. He explains, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. Get that? Those people had seen it. He's preaching to people who saw that happen. So if it hadn't happened, they could have said, no, 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 that didn't happen. They were witnesses of all that as well. But God knew that would what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. Those people saw that. They were there. This is Jerusalem where it happened. They were witnesses themselves. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. And then he goes on this long thing showing that David had prophesied the resurrection. And then he gets back to God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. He's standing up there with the apostles and said, we all been there, seen that, touched him. It happened. And I want you to notice, nobody said, uh-uh, no, no, his, his body's over there. 
I can show you his corpse. Because nobody had his corpse. Right? The whole city could have just said, no, 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 that's not what happened. Look over here. Here's his grave. Yeah, it's empty. They all knew that. So everybody couldn't contradict this historical fact that it happened before them. So then they say to Peter, what, what should we do? And he says, each of you must repent of your sins. Turn to God. Turn from your sins. Turn to God and be baptized, like happened today, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that's what happens when you turn. The promise is to you, to your children, to those far away, like us. We're far away from there. That promise is for us, too. Those who believed what Jesus, Peter said, were baptized and added to the church that day. So they turned, and they trusted Jesus, and they were added to the family. They were adopted into the church. It's about being part of the people of God, this new Israel, this new family, this new kingdom that Jesus is inaugurating. So what do we need to do? Turn from sin to God and trust Jesus, the risen one, that he is where your hopes can lie, where you can take your hopelessness and your fear and your sadness. You can take it to him. You can turn from the things you were hoping would satisfy you and turn to the one who can satisfy and trust him. And then you'll receive, he says, forgiveness and the Holy Spirit and resurrection life and adoption into God's family. Part of this church, this gathering right here and around the world that's celebrating, a third of the world is celebrating today, Jesus' resurrection. You can be part of that. Skipping ahead, what? Acts 3 and 4, Peter says the same things again. He, he says, this is what happened. He, he, he repeats basically a lot of the same message. You, verse 13, 3, 13, 15, 3, 15, sorry. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Um, he goes on, and, they, and they, then they drag him in, and they they. Talk about what is wrong with you guys. Who gave you authority to say this? He says, you getting upset with us because we healed this guy who's been lame his whole life? I'll let you know. We did that because of Jesus. And they want, they, they are amazed at the boldness. Why are they amazed at the boldness? Because Peter, just 50 days ago, was hiding in the corner. Right? The servant girl said, you sound like a Galilean. Or you want it? We used to use, oh, no, 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 no. Not me. And they warn them, don't say anything about this again. And they go out and they keep preaching about it. And then they drag them in and they say, we told you not to talk about this. You're talking about it everywhere. You keep wanting to say we killed him and he's raised. That's not, shut up. And this is the authority. And what is Peter who couldn't stand up to a servant girl, say to the whole authorities, he's before the Senate of the Sanhedrin, 
he says, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things. So is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. What happened to Peter? What? Seriously, I mean, Peter's the guy who was cowering in the corner. Now, we Pentecostals, we say he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's true. But there's something else that happened. He saw Jesus die, bloody, murdered, and then he saw him resurrected. He ate with him. He saw that he didn't have to be afraid of going to the cross and dying because there was a resurrection. In fact, Jesus told him, You're gonna, I'm going to show you the death by which you glorify me. He didn't have to be afraid of death anymore because there's a resurrection. So they called the apostles and had them flogged. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing. What? They just got beat up and they're rejoicing? Because they're rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace and shame for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continue to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Wait, this authorities just told them to shut up. Why aren't they afraid? Where did they get that courage? Because Jesus is risen. They don't have to be afraid of flogging or death or prison or anything else. And in fact, Peter gets his chance to follow Jesus into all of that, that he missed before. But now he can do it because he's seen Jesus risen. He has Jesus with him. He has the Holy Spirit with him. Folks, you can have courage. There's all kinds of things to fear, I know. But you can have courage. What can they do beyond death? Not much. And death is taken care of. Because Jesus is risen. Jesus' resurrection gives hope. We have a hope when everything else is hopeless. We have courage because we don't have to be afraid of anything, including death. And Jesus is with us. We can have joy in the midst of difficulty and grief and sadness. Now, remember, this doesn't mean that there is no more difficulty. No more death. It doesn't mean there's no more grief. When Jesus was celebrating the Passover, he was celebrating with all Jews. It's Passover time again. Ramadan time as well. As we celebrate this, we, we remember that there's a lamb that died. Remember that there's all these Egyptian firstborn that died. And it's still freedom. So we remember Jesus' death and his resurrection and his coming again when we take communion. We celebrate the Passover like we did on Good Friday here. It's not that now it's Easter and everything has disappeared. No, we're, we know we're between the times. We know that the final resurrection hasn't come, but we have hope because we've seen Jesus resurrected. 
We have courage because he's with us and he's going to be with us and we're going to have new bodies. We're going to be with him. And we can have joy in the midst of real difficulties. And we can be honest about our sadness and our grief and our challenges. But we have hope. Jesus' resurrection promises our resurrection. And this is the part just after, in 1 Corinthians 15, just after what Andrew read. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there's an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. Actually, what Andrew read was just in between here. So we're all going to be raised when he comes back. Our bodies are going to be raised as different kind of bodies. And I'm going to be able to recognize you on this new earth with this new body. I'm going to be able to say, hey, but it's going to be a much better body. And let's be honest, we kind of like our bodies. And we like this earth. And we also don't like some parts about it. God's going to get rid of all the parts we don't like. And he's going to enhance all the parts we like. And we are going to have a new resurrection life. Together with all who have turned and followed. And then he concludes after that. After this long 1 Corinthians 15 passage where he talks about the resurrection is real. He talks about resurrection for people who follow Jesus is real. And he says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Wait, Ecclesiastes said everything is useless. It's pointless, vapor, all going to disappear. Right? Was Ecclesiastes right? Yes. He was right. That's the way life is. Except. Except that Jesus rose from the dead. And that makes it all worthwhile. Useful. Everything you do for the way. And this doesn't have to be stuff you do in church. Okay? Everything you do, whether it's sweeping the floor at home, whether it's what you do at your work to contribute to the community, whatever you do, enthusiastically for the Lord, none of it is worthless. Because all of it is a seed for that coming kingdom. Just like this body you have that, yeah, it's, it's decaying, but it's the seed for the coming kingdom body that you're going to have. Because Jesus is risen from the dead. And because Jesus is driven from the dead, you can be strong. You can be courageous. You can be immovable. And you can work enthusiastically with hope for the Lord in everything you do. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. None of it's ever used. The resurrection gives hope. It gives courage. And it gives joy. Jesus' resurrection gives hope. Gives courage. It gives joy. Anybody here need a little bit of that? 
I need some hope. <laughs> I need some courage. I need some joy. And so what I want to encourage you to get that is to focus on the resurrection. Believe it. So I know we believe it, kind of, sort of, pretty much. Does it really inform everything you do? Everything you do so that you can do it enthusiastically? Because you know it's not worthless? Because you have in mind that this is something that I'm planting for the future kingdom? This way that I'm contributing is a present to the future kingdom. When Andy does some cool artwork, it's a planting for the future kingdom. Maybe that bulb looks dead at the moment, but summer's coming. And what we plant makes a difference. So turn. Turn from other things you've put your hope in, other ways you've gotten distracted, and trust Jesus. Turn from doing your own thing and obey Jesus. Trust Jesus and receive all that he has and enter into his overflow. Let's come up and worship. Let's praise Jesus for his resurrection, for his goodness to us, for coming, for dying, for being raised again for us. Jesus, we are so grateful that you have come. You didn't have to come, but you came. You came to be our Messiah our King, our Savior. You died. You were enthroned on the cross as King of kings and Lord of lords. You defeated the, the enemy on the cross. You took our sin and our pain and our sickness and our death to the grave. And God raised you up so that all of our sickness, pain, death, hopelessness, fear could be transformed into resurrection. Resurrection, life, hope, purpose, courage, and joy. Today we want to celebrate that with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.